Value Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. Welcome to this Step Life interview, and we are very happy to have with us uh, one of the uh, shining lights of the new digital financial services provider. We know Simon Lung of uh, We Lab Group from a long time ago, uh, and uh, he's a veteran in the uh, banking business in Hong Kong. Uh, uh, was running the consumer banking business and digital banking business of uh, Standard Chartered before he set up his own uh, fintech company uh, with very strong operations in uh, Shenzhen uh, and the rest of China and of course his home base in Hong Kong itself. Um, it, he started uh, providing fintech and fintech lending platform in China, Wolaitai, I believe, and WeLand. And uh, in the past uh, couple of years, in 2020, uh, WeLab was licensed uh, to operate a digital bank in Hong Kong. And uh, he started operations, I think, in late uh, 2020. And uh, in 2021, they have their first year of operations. Uh, it's such a good time to catch up with you, Simon. And I, I want to start this conversation. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot of things, about you know, an update of your business in uh, Hong Kong in China. Uh, obviously, we've gone through some challenges with COVID, uh, but in China, there's also been a bit of tightening of uh, regulation, especially on you know, on lending and especially on uh, tech-enabled lending. So, so give us a, a, a kind of a, a, an overview of, of some of the uh, developments with uh, the WeLab Group. Thank you, Wunpeng. It's good to be back speaking with I. Uh... Asian banker, right? Uh, uh, so uh, the the business uh, our business is growing great. I think 2021 is a very fruitful year. Uh, we are firing at all cylinder. I think the first exciting development is uh, in the first half, uh, first quarter of uh, 2021, we announced a new round of financing led by Allianz. Uh, it, it added a lot of new capabilities to us on wealth management insurance, as they are one of the largest insurance and asset management company in the world. Um, so we've continued the momentum and hit uh, uh, many significant milestones. Right now, our business has grown a lot since we first met. We run a what we call loans facilitation where we yeah. help uh, institutional uh, lenders to lend money in mainland China with our technology. So right now, our businesses uh, is separate into three different segments. The first segment is we run one of the largest online lending platform uh, regionally with 52 million users. It's grown to 52 million now in Hong Kong, mainland China, and Indonesia through different brands. That has been growing very well. As a group, in the first 10 to 12 months of 2021, year on year, the business volume, the long side of it grew by almost uh, 52%. So we achieved a 1.5x high. It's 1.5x now of what we were uh, with COVID uh, and with the acceleration on online financial services. That has helped us a lot. Give us an indication of, of how big your, your lending portfolio is in the... <laughs> in billion of uh, dollars, US dollar equivalent. Uh, just last year, we did at least 1.5 to 2 billion US, just, just one year. Mm. Um, and, and then um, in, in Hong Kong, where we have both WeLand and WeLab, uh, WeLab Bank, digital bank, right? Uh, the loan volume increased 100%. We've doubled our business volume last year. Uh, it's quite unprecedented given we're already pretty big in Hong Kong. Um, and um, 
so I think it has a market share from the uh, non-bank lender side where we land competing, right? Uh, we are the largest, and I think one in eight people borrow money from us. So we're at that scale. So I think, I think combined the WeLab Bank and WeLand, we have more than half a million of users in Hong Kong. So that's pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, combined, yeah. yeah. Although the digital bank itself, uh, we WeLab Bank has about 150,000 customers. 150,000, and, 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 and more than that. And, and also WeLab, so combined, because uh, they, they're around half a million customers. Right. Um, so this gives us a very good good customer base to do very exciting things, right? Um, uh, Indonesia, Maokash, uh, the uh, joint venture, Astra, also doing fabulous. We're on our year three now, three million users, uh, broken even. Uh, during COVID time, our business volume increased around five times. Uh, and then and then the B2B, the enterprise solution that piece, also doing very well, uh, six times year on year growth. Uh, and uh, we, we, we were quite happy with the growth. Also last year, we announced a very unique partnership uh, with Apple and our Apple authorized resellers uh, to, to do subscription service uh, called Subscribe Plus for Apple products. Uh, Hong Kong is the first market that Apple is launching subscription service and WeLab is the first partner in Asia uh, with them uh, doing this. So we, we, we feel that uh, that's gonna uh, bring a lot of potential. If I look at the early read of uh, that partnership, where right, we launched, I think we announced around uh, September, October. Um, customers are really happy. The vendors are happy. The volume is really uh, exceeded our expectation. I can't share too much about the numbers yet, but uh, I think we that that has uh, that's a partnership with a lot of potential. Uh, given uh, uh, Apple is such a strong consumer brand, and that cover both all finance uh, subscription services for iPhone, Mac, iPad, or Apple hardware, and some of the accessories. Okay, you, you talk about the, the recency round of uh, funding with Alliance as the, as the partner. Tell, tell us in terms of how, how big of a stake and what is what's the valuation of uh, WeLab now? So Alliance uh, came in uh, last year, they were the lead investors. Uh, the lead plus other investors, uh, it's uh, the finance, round finance assets in excess of 100 million, that's, uh, that's really good. And at the same time, uh, for our Indonesia acquisition, we also raised a separate round of financing. That is around 240. So in total, last year we did almost 350 plus uh, financing. That, so that's probably the largest uh, financing year we had, uh, 2021. Uh, around three, three to 400 million US of uh, new, new funds coming in to support the growth. It shows that our investors are very bullish about the company, our direction, and also this region. Okay. And uh, tell us, uh, last year we, we mentioned the uh, the numbers shows that there are growth, right? Uh, in terms of your lending portfolio, uh, despite COVID, so COVID hasn't impacted that. Uh, within China, you are continuing to grow the business despite you know the uh, kind of clamp down in terms of uh, lending and and tech based lending as well. Uh, how do you manage uh, uh, this 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 growth despite all the challenges? Mm. Last year, I think the China business grew probably a high double digit, uh, the kind of growth volume uh, versus 2020. So I think last year, as I said, I think with with the um, with with the acceleration of uh, online financial services adoption, people move online to do everything in their life, from ordering food to to entertainment and everything, including financial services. Right? Uh, specifically for our business for China, um, what we saw was. Uh, as we are providing more technology to help uh, license lenders to, to lend money, right? I think there's, a, there's still a huge demand. Um, of course, there are a regulatory 
uh, new new regulations coming out from uh, data privacy or different ways of working with them, we continue to work very closely with our partners to find ways to serve them and, and help them to grow their business. I think uh, China is still one of the largest uh, market for uh, consumer finance in general. And, and banking services, right? Online financial banking services, right? So, the, so we were very committed to that, either through a loan facilitation model or a pure B2B model. I think there are many ways that we can serve our customers uh, with our vast base. Uh, we've also uh, rolled out uh, digital wallets uh, uh, in China. It's like a payment wallet kind of tool and also uh, e-commerce uh, uniquely for our customers. So there's actually more and more uh, products that we're rolling out for our customer base. Okay. In China, there is also the rollout of their digital, you know, uh, their uh, central bank digital currency, so to speak, the the uh, ERMB or the digital RMB. Um, well, supposed to be a kind of national uh, strategy towards reading some of this digital wallet uh, uh, kind of activities. Uh, um, how, how do you see that? And uh, how does that digital RMB uh, development going to affect uh, digital wallets going forward? Uh, would you know eventually uh, it, it will be the, the the digital yuan, right? Integrating into digital wallets, mm. and and how would independent digital wallet today operate? Like you know the the Alipay wallet, the the, the WeChat, mm. and, and so. So, so that, that's, you're right, I think that's a very strategic thing that the Chinese government are doing, the uh, ERMB. Uh, it is at, at its early stage, I, I think we, we're seeing more adoption and use cases and test cases right now. Uh, I think it's too early. I think, I think we'll, we'll probably see a lot more of that, but I think it's, it's a very important strategic direction to using uh, a digital currency, which, which have a lot of added benefits from traditional paper money and also like just like wiring transfer from, from banks, right? So we'll keep a close eye on keep a close eye on this, especially in Hong Kong where uh, we are one of the largest offshore RMB center, right? So we actually look forward to more things we can do cross border uh, as, as this become uh, as the adop adoption for ERMB uh, increases. Okay. And uh, talk to us about Hong Kong and the Greater Bay Area. When you, you have your, your lending business under WeLab, and also your digital bank uh, business. Uh, obviously, we are providing uh, a deposit products, you are uh, providing um, lending product, and also uh, wealth management products. Mm. Talk, talk, talk about the, the growth potential there. Yeah, uh, we, 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 are, we are maintaining uh, the two separate brands. We're running it uh, concurrently. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of investors uh, ask us like whether we want to keep it Combine it together, run it separately. We've always wanted to uh, run it separately. We feel that there's a lot of synergy of the two brands, um, and we're right. I mean, if you look at the loan volume, which basically essentially is the number of customers and our market share, right? We have doubled year on year between 2022 and 2021, right? Um, that means we're actually doing a lot more loans at 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 at, at, at a good uh, rate as well. Um, the bank. Uh, primarily focus on serving uh, sort of bank segment customers and the proposition to the customers is a seamless uh, account opening uh, innovative products we launched one of the first uh, numberless debit card in the market's very popular a lot of people post on social media because the card itself just looks so cool uh, and it enabled them to do payment um, great rewards uh, you can draw cash from all ATMs in Hong Kong this was very good um, and at the same time right we launched one of the most innovative uh, deposit social deposit product called uh, 
uh, go safe, right? Basically, imagine like a minivan. The minivan, as soon as it's full, it takes off. If you have been to Hong Kong, you've seen like minivans in Hong yeah. Kong. Um, yeah. The more people in the in the minivan, the higher the interest rate in this case. It all it is uh, so it's it's fun, it's social, and the most important thing is actually act as a very unique um, uh, uh, asset liability management tool for the bank. So now we can actually control the batch size of each time deposit pool from the size, the number of people, the rate, and the duration. And we can launch many, many mini events a day. And in the future, we may even consider running them concurrently. We've done a lot of testing, right? So that actually helps us to fund the bank at the most optimal rate. At the same time last year, we launched the lending product. The lending product obviously would be a user of the deposit, the asset liability side of the bank, right? And that is also growing up very fast. For that part, we, we launched what we call a, uh, uh, interest rate link product. So meaning, right, I'll give you an example. If let's say you borrow $10,000 from us at let's say 3%, I will give you half of it, $5,000, uh, interest rate exactly the same as your lending rate. So half of your deposit, will, uh, 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 so your deposit will be paid half, exactly the same interest rate as your loan product. And that helps us to attract a lot of really good customers. I remember 30% of people make use of this because the interest rate environment is very low, right? So that mm -hmm. give us... And the last thing is uh, we're really excited that this year, probably in the first half, um, we'll be rolling out a new innovative wealth tech product together with Allianz. And that is basically teaching, is, is in, in the, it, it's probably the first uh, goal-based investment products uh, that we're launching here in Hong Kong uh, to help young people to manage, save, and grow their wealth. When you talk to people in Hong Kong, I think a lot of them have set this aspiration to save around a million dollars, Hong Kong dollars, by the mm. age of 30 know how expensive real estate are in Hong Kong. They probably need to buy a house, pay for down payment, get married, right? So we actually want to help people to grow that. Instead of a bank calling you to say, I want to sell you a fund, right? We actually help people to meet aspiration, which is meet, meet, their, meet their dreams, which is a lot more aspirational and long-term. At the same time, uh, from your risk appetite and different data point, we'll recommend uh, the right portfolio for you to meet your goal, to meet your goal. And, and that fits sort of the lifestyle of uh, young people. Right, because uh, they, the primary uh, income is from their salary, right? In China right now, uh, the government is on, on the monetary easing. It's continuing to ease and kind of to, to stimulate growth and so on and so forth. In, in Hong Kong, the central bank is kind of more kind of moving interest rate up in line with what's happening globally. Mm. Um, the interest rate, uh, it, it's still relatively low today. Uh, Hong Kong, don't, uh, the, the monetary policy is a little bit different from uh, the US and from mainland China, right? Uh, but I think it's, it's still maintaining a very uh, low, low, low interest rate environment. I think that's number one. Number two is US dollar is packed today. Uh, but in terms of unemployment rate, we definitely uh, had a peak last year and came down by quite a lot. If we look at the unemployment rate right now, it's close to the historical low around 3 to 4%-ish. And if you look at from us, from a consumer lending business, right, uh, unemployment rate is a very important indicator to repayment capability and credit worthiness of individuals, right? So we're actually quite comfortable with that. Um, and of course, as we expand our target segment, covering bank and non-bank segment, right, we actually get an even more good uh, mix of uh, risk and reward uh, trade-off. Okay. Okay. And then in, the, in China, in, in Hong Kong, we're seeing an increase in household debt and so on and so forth. Right now, it's okay with interest rate pretty low, but uh, no, mm. that, that it might come under pressure if uh, rates goes up. And it's more likely to go up in Hong Kong than in, in China. And um, yes, um, but uh, I think, I think uh, 
uh, there are two types of two major types of household debt. Right? I think one is mortgage, mortgage, which, yeah, which you, are, you are not in, right? Mortgage, you are not. In. Mortgage in Hong Kong are, are, are all of them are variable rates, right? Um, for uh, unsecured lending, it's all fixed rate, which is uh, that means actually for the consumer affordability wise, right? It's actually relatively the same for them. Um, so so we're we're pretty safe on that front. Okay. Um, so, so I think I think if you, if you ask us overall in Hong Kong, I think we, we, we had a pretty good run because the credit performance is better as we target a wider spectrum of customers. We get a better mix of risk and reward. Interest rate is low, uh, and we get a we doubled the volume last year, right? So, uh, so we had a, actually a pretty uh, strong performance in 2021. And as we open for business in 2022, we, we, we are almost at the end of January, right? I will also see that the momentum is sustaining as well. And, and you work with big banks and so on and so forth. Mm. Now you're running a bank with the uh, regulatory uh, compliance requirement, now with capital requirements. Mm. How has that experience been? <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think we're quite fortunate. I think we're fortunate in a way that um, with a with being uh, one of the uh, uh, digital banking licenses in Hong Kong, uh, we work quite close to the government and the regulators, and they are very supportive of us doing uh, new innovative things. In fact, they encourage us to roll out more differentiating services as well, right? So I think on that front, we have pretty uh, strong and timely support from the regulators. I think from a consumer perspective, obviously they're looking forward to digital banks rolling out even more uh, innovative services. Uh, when I say that, what I meant is, I think uh, the eight licenses, I think there are a few, including us who are more competitive than a few others who either target a different segment or are more quiet. Um, and I think the first couple of years, which is, let's say, from 2000, and I think the first one probably launched in early 2020, we launched in mm. 2020, right? Um, I think the first one or two years, everyone was building sort of the fundamental, the basics, right? Being able to open up a bank account, spend, lend, stuff like that, right? So these are basic needs, right? But we expect to see a lot more differentiation from this year and onwards. Meaning, I think everyone has finished building the basics. Now, I think it is about time for everyone to build something that's quite different. So I think you will see the difference between uh, a proposition of a digital bank and a traditional bank vary by a lot more uh, in 2022 and beyond. It will take a few years. I think Singapore is going through that right now. A few markets are going through that right now, rolling out digital banking services. Mm -hmm. Once we have a two, three year head start, um, yeah. initially, you will see most digital bank pretty similar. <laughs> But the, 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 the real differentiation will come in, in, the, in the third or fourth year, where at least they have completed the basics first. Um, and uh, and I, I, I do feel that regulators uh, regionally and globally are very supportive of this change because it helped to modernize the banking uh, 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 industry. And it also encourages uh, existing incumbents to modernize their business models as well. So it actually provides consumers uh, better choices. Okay. In Hong Kong is a very competitive market. You've got very strong incumbent banks, big giant incumbent banks, as well as eight uh, 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 digital uh, peers. Um, what, what milestone have you set for your first you know, couple of years of operations? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the bank itself, 150,000 uh, customers, you, you have uh, uh, created uh, digital uh, deposit lending products. Um, uh, is your digital base and, and your lending just for your digital banking business where you want them today? Hmm. I think um, I think I think I think we we uh, it's it's an interesting experience. I think uh, before it opened at the beginning stage, and um, probably one year plus, we sort of have different 
realization and we have different soul searching along the way right i think what we realize is that um the 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 the, the biggest objective obviously is not to have as many customers as possible the biggest objective is to have a path of profitability to build a sustainable business what it means is this right what we realize is for us to get a lot of customers is actually really easy you just throw money at the problem but then the problem is if you extrapolate that to three five years you will never reach profitability so 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 that's why our focus sort of shifted a little bit last year and say okay we realized that acquiring customers is actually very easy but reaching profitability at a reasonable scale is actually something we need to achieve because once you achieve that you can actually throw money at acquiring customers but before you know how to make money you actually cannot do that oh it's just a matter of just burning cash i think we've, we've seen uh, some digital banks globally trying to achieve that right and and, and, and so that realization came uh, for many digital banks in europe and the us in in, in 2020 right when when investors start asking for profit profitability cohort performance mm. right so that's why we had to focus a lot on rolling out the lending product and the wealth product these are two products that give the, uh, any bank a path to profitability now imagine if i keep on doing like a, uh, a debit card product you never break even with a debit card product right yeah, i think you, most of these banks will probably spend more on rewards than, than than the actual interchange fee right so we actually focus a lot on building these two pillars the the lending part and the uh, wealth part so that we have a, a strong path to profitability and be able to uh, roll out something that uh, that that really differentiate uh from just a simple uh, uh, transactional kind of banking uh, okay. relation okay well, what does that path to sustainable profitability look like well, what are some of the indicators of that in terms of uh, obviously it's in terms of the lending business the, the amount of business the kind of volume that you're driving uh, um, in terms of your cost of acquisition your your interest margins uh your you know delinquency and so on and so forth give us a kind of a sense of yeah. if, if, if we look at what we do i mean without going to like our financial just just generically mm. i think i think what we what we what we're looking for is um obviously revenue right revenue dollar yep. coming in i think revenue what you see right now if you study the financial of digital banks uh in the initial stage right i think everyone is very good at spending <laughs> not raw revenue coming in. have not built products that actually attract a lot of revenue right um I, I think i think the path the first path to well, for the first step in your path to profitability is to have products that actually people are willing to give you revenue for right which is what we talk about the lending product and, and, and the wealth product right at the proposition now asian market is not a market where people will pay for a membership fee to be a bank customers now you've seen uh like uh in, in europe some markets you can do that right charge them a premium account kind of pay. asian is not that kind of market right so 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 i think i think i think that's number one right um i think another thing we look at um in terms of lending right uh initially what we've seen it or seen some digital bank is they priced it that they priced their loan completely incorrectly uh because a lot of them actually have deposit first before they have lending. So the way they price it is, as long as they price it higher than the interest rate, they feel that they're making money. But that's wrong, right? Because interest rate is just so low, right? If let's say they're charging 1% of interest rate and they charge 2% for long, right? I mean, they completely got it wrong, right? If you look at bank kind of unsecured lending bank segment, right? Hong Kong is running around 6 to 8%. So you, you have to be able to compete at a, as a, at a scale and at six to eight percent, that's that's what you call an average performance. 
if you tell people I have a lot of long volume, but I'm pricing at two, right? I mean, you're just undercutting yeah. everyone. You're not maximizing your profitability, right? And the risk and reward trade off, right? So I think I think that that's what we're looking at, right? And in terms of um, the, I think the, the wealth side, right? As you look at the fee, right? I mean, there's obviously a market norm for the fee, right? I mm -hmm. think how can you? I mean, how can we build a proposition that that we charge a market norm for fee, and people are willing to give us the business because of a better proposition, better customer experience? And, and, and you're no longer calling at a lower cost because right? you're not going to rely on your RM calling people to, to buy a wealth product. I think those are the a couple of key things that we're looking for in 2022. Okay. And key to that is, as you mentioned, customer experience, right? I'm, I'm sure you, you know, how, how kind of, how big of, of uh, how obsessed are you in terms of looking at your customer experience, looking at your you know, net promoter scores and you know, uh, so on and yeah. so forth. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely important. Um, I, I think, I think th this is how I look at it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, your only interaction of your customers is through your mobile phone. So you have to have great customer experience. Um, a great customer experience means that customers can do everything themselves on the phone without the need of calling you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if they have to call your customer service center to figure out something, that's not very good, right? You don't have to be able to do that. Um, I think number two, I think what we look at it is, uh, a great customer experience has become a what we call hygiene factor for digital banks. I mean, you cannot sell a digital bank to your customers just because you have great customer experience. Because everyone has great customer experience. Even traditional bank has great, great customer experience, right? So it has to be that and also innovative products, great offers and stuff like that. So there's, there's a strong, there's a good combination of that. I don't think there's a, I don't, I, basically I don't think a good, a great customer experience is a silver bullet. Okay. So Okay, and uh, of of course, part of the experience is also um, uh, this whole you know being digital. Okay, creating a, a digital experience and also a digital footprint. Uh, what has come out or what has really is ugly hate you now in, in very recent days is with so many digital transactions, the the incidence of digital fraud has also gone up. I I, I don't know uh, the, the uh, how kind of prevalent. Uh, uh, cases of phishing scams and stuff is in Hong Kong or China or Indonesia. Uh, how how big of a concern uh, is it to you? You know, running you know your entire business on digital uh, platform. It is definitely extremely important. Uh, I think in our early days on consumer lending, uh, it is extremely important. You think about it because it is it is one of the rare financial product where you're giving someone money. When you give someone money, he has the highest intense incentive to run away with your money. When people give you money, they have less incentive. But you're giving people money, they want to money. run away. So I think that part is extremely important. I think thankfully, because of our roots in online lending, but since our earlier days, we've built a lot of big data fraud kind of detection. And those technology actually are extremely important in terms of identity verification and also uh, how we uh, do uh, AML, EKYC, and stuff like that. So that, that part is extremely important, right? And then you go into, once you're a bank, you go into uh, transaction monitoring, right? So we try to utilize a lot of rec tech uh, AI on, on transaction monitoring so they reduce the number of transactions that we have a, have a manual uh, follow-up, right? I think these, these are extremely important topics. I think that this lead, lead to a very interesting point of the challenge of uh, running a digital bank. As we uh, speak with a lot of people uh, in, in markets, in Asian markets who are launching digital bank, I think people sort of uh, underestimate uh, the challenge and, and the kind of uh, uh, investment required to launch a digital bank. Uh, people thought that uh, it is a matter of 
like buying a core banking system, plug it in, build a nice uh, app, mobile okay. app. And that does it. It, it is not that. It, this is not buying a Microsoft Windows, put it this way. It's not a, you buy a Microsoft Windows, switch it on, it just works. They don't, do not work like that, right? There's a lot of tweaking. Uh, there's a lot of uh, know-how behind it. And I think it, it took us like one and a half years to build it. And it, 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 there's actually a lot of things that you discover that you'll get it wrong uh, along the line. And it, it and these softwares do not come with the user manual, I'll tell you now. So it's nice if you read the manual five times and then and you get a couple of guys to do how to do it. You really need people with experience, right? Um, so, so for us, that's why as we are planning to build the second bank in Indonesia, we feel that that is a very important com competitive advantage for us is we already built the first one. The first bank, we've been running it for one and a half years as it's working. As we move to the second market, uh, and the third market and beyond, right? We, we're quite confident that it's been thoroughly tested and scalable. Okay. Uh, tell us more about uh, when will this uh, you acquired Jasa Jakarta Bank uh, and the digital bank? Um, so all Jasa Jakarta, do, do you need to get additional licenses or you can just operate the digital bank off? Um, the, the bank that, that you have a controlling stake in. So obviously we're very excited that we have uh, made the announcement on the acquisition of uh, BJJ in Indonesia. Uh, it's a 40 year old uh, traditional bank with a pretty strong business as well uh, locally. So uh, they have a pretty good franchise, profitable. Um, and uh, we want to launch uh, digital banking services on top of that. So it will be a, an additional service on top of, uh, of, on top of uh, their, 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 their current business, right? Um, we are now doing a lot of uh, analysis and and uh, uh, hiring, so that we, with an aim to most likely roll out something in the second half of this year. Um, so we, we give ourselves a pretty uh, pretty uh, strict uh, kind of timeline. Uh, but I, I think I think Indonesia is is, is a great market. Uh, we've been there since two thousand eighteen uh, with strong partners as well, uh, and so we're, we're quite quite confident with that. Okay. So Astra International and Wildcash, that, that's where you've been doing the uh, lending business or a kind of consumer finance business for since 2018. Yeah. Like four years now. And uh, what are the dynamics of the of the Indonesian market that attracted you and, and you know obviously your management team in terms of the market of the potential market, the challenges in terms of infrastructure, you know. A large geography. Of course, you're gonna overcome that with a digital platform. But you know, just share with, with us uh, thought in terms of uh, the 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 consideration that you know, went into mm. Jakarta. That will also give us an indication of which other markets uh, mm. in Southeast Asia that that uh, you are looking at, uh, at they have got uh, similar dynamics. Yeah. So we actually have uh, what, what a lot of people don't realize is we actually have been. Uh, looking at Southeast Asia as a region and individual uh, markets, right? Uh, since probably 2016, 2017, until we put a trigger on our first market in, of which is Indonesia in 2018. So it's a market that we spend a lot of time just trying to understand, talk to a lot of people, right? Um, what we are consistently looking for, right? Given we are in FinTech, digital banking, online lending, right? We're looking for large tech savvy, uh, young adult population, uh, regulatory support, um, and there's, there's literally a playbook, like uh, around five to eight areas. Each area, we ask ourselves 10, 10 to 15 questions to understand each market, to see whether they're right for 
uh, digital banking or online financial service uh, disruption, right? And Indonesia is one that check all of it. Of course, Indonesia, as we talk about the large population, Indonesia is not one city, Jakarta. Jakarta is just a small part of a, a very large Indonesia with islands. Uh, and, 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 and the financial inclusion is a very big topic. It's also something that we've had a lot of experience uh, solving for financial inclusion with technology. Uh, in mainland China, what we do, uh, the World Bank IFC is our shareholder as well. It's something that mm. actually uh, we, it's, a, it's a topic that's very close to our heart. So we, um, with the market opportunity, uh, with a market that's ripe for disruption, and with a large population, right? So I, we, we feel that this is the right time to go into Indonesia to offer such services. Um, when we started this project, uh, the digital banking project, probably like one, one and a half years ago, uh, we were actually early, one and one half, one and one and a half years ago, people were only thinking about that, right? I think now people are, more people are thinking about that than before, right? Uh, one and one half, one and one, one and a half, one and a half years ago, we were quite early, and, and we like to be early in the game, right? I think one of our benefits is because we run a regional business, so we actually can see trends happening in other markets first. Hence, uh, we can go into certain markets earlier than others, right? Um, so, 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 so that is something that we're quite interested in. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential, especially riding on certain uh, new economy, digital infrastructure for Indonesia's case. And similarly, there are other markets in Asia that share certain uh, similarities. The uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines, they have certain similarities. I'm not saying they will we'll do all, all, all four of them at the same time. I think there will be some mm -hmm. power. Um, which we'll, we'll probably announce uh, later on, uh, later point in time, right? I think that, that, that the markets will run uh, multiple, uh, can run multiple projects. I think more importantly is there's economies of scale when you build a digital bank. Meaning after, once you build the first one, build the second one, it will be faster and easier. The third one is even easier. As you build it out, market by market, you can actually have a, have a, have a economy of, economies of scales in both know-how, technology, and people. So I think that's what we try to capture. I think that's a big opportunity uh, to turn this into, to turn WeLab into Pan-Asia digital banking platform. Okay. And what will you take from, from uh, we, we, we that bank that you will kind of supply into, uh, into the Indonesian uh, operation? Mm, I think, and what will you do differently? Mm. I think I think that there's a lot we'll do differently. Uh, we we we're, we're in the process of uh, hiring a, a complete local team now. We believe in local a local team running a local uh, business. Um, but at the same time, right, uh, to, from the technology, intellectual property, product design, uh, a lot of pitfalls that we have uh, experienced in the building the first bank. I think there's a lot of experience that we can actually combine with the local know-how uh, to do something that is really good. I think that the, the, we, we, if we look at what we have right now, I'm quite confident that something uh, quite innovative will happen very soon. And you see it in, in, in the Indonesia market, uh, hopefully, as we launch it in the second half of this year. Okay. In Hong Kong, you were able to kind of leverage the synergy between uh, WeLand okay, and, and, and WeLand Bank. Uh, would, would the condition be similar given you're working with different partners uh, uh, with uh, uh, your acquisition? And uh, we found cash and uh, extra. I think um, uh, we we will still run both brands uh, independently. I think uh, we learn from our Hong Kong experience running two two brands independently in a market that has lots of opportunity can allow us to capture an even bigger uh, share of wallet. So we'll do that. Um, and obviously, uh, the two of them do share similar business lines, but target completely different segments. Uh, I think the bank in general will target a segment where it's a bank-grade customers. We also appeal to the customers with a full kind of bank
banking experience, opening a bank account as a debit card or, or just a payment product as a lending as well, right? But for online lending, like for example, Mount Cash case is a straight, very simple. You go and you borrow money. It's a very straight, simple lending proposition, cheaper, faster than kind of proposition. So both can coexist. I think we'll, we'll, we'll try to uh, learn and 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 allow the two to coexist. And there are some interesting things we can do, right? I'll give you an example, right? In Hong Kong, in WeLand, uh, in the past, for every successful applicant, we give them a cashback. Let's say, for example, I'm just quoting a number, right? Let's say for the cashback is uh, 100 Hong Kong dollars or 100 US dollar, right? Right now, we tell customers that we'll, give, we'll still give you 100 Hong Kong dollars if you're a WeLand bank customer at the same time. But if you're pure WeLand customers, you don't have a WeLand bank uh, account, I only give you 30. So the cost to us is the same. You're still giving 100, but then you start leveraging on your customer base and uh, introduce people to other services in the bank. Right. Okay. Well, a, a way to incentivize a broadening of that relationship, kind of upsell, cross-selling. Yeah. Very good. And uh, in so so so, uh, given the right now kind of a pandemic resurgence in you know in around the region. Uh, are your plans on track? Uh, when will that uh, digital bank uh, be launched? For a market like Indonesia, where we've been around for three years, we do have people on the ground. It makes it a lot mm -hmm. easier. If I'm going to a brand new market where I don't have anyone on the ground, I think it'll be very difficult. Uh, after all, we did complete the whole M&A uh, uh, with Avengers uh, Jasa Jakarta completely through Zoom. We hired uh, local, uh, of course, we hired uh, local Indonesia-based advisors for us to do uh, DD and stuff like that, right? But I think we did the whole thing uh, through Zoom. Um, I think it's just it's just a new normal. It's just amazing, yeah. Just amazing how business is carried uh, has transformed itself. Uh, M and A done entirely remotely through Zoom. Uh, yes. Tell us about you know, uh, wider plans on the IPOs. Uh, it, uh, is the current environment uh, kind of conducive with mm. you know stock markets and you know uh, you know just past their historic highs and you know with uh, uh, sentiment quite shaky right now, uh, inflationary pressures and interest rate going up. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think you have uh, put it very <laughs> tactfully. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it, it, it is. It is, and I think it will continue. It will always be a very choppy market. I mean, it's just, 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 just how the market is like, right? Uh, especially if you look at uh, uh, this year, as we entered into 2022, the investor sentiment has been quite different, uh, with the increasing interest rate expectation and also uh, reducing the uh, economic stimulus, right? Uh, I, I, I think, I think um, we will continue to look at that. Uh, the, 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 the listing. Um, we were thinking about it a little bit last year, but I think. Uh, we do want to complete the Indonesia acquisition first before we, we do it. Um, hopefully, by the second half of this year, we can revisit it to see whether there's a, there's a right market window. Um, it, 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 it is just, it, it is, uh, everyone has to play about a year nowadays because uh, the, the, sent, the market sentiment actually just changes so fast. Okay. And would it be a, a kind of more traditional conventional IPO or uh, are you exploring other uh, kind of vehicles as well including sparks and, and mm. whatnot. Um, it's too early to say I think I think spec was something that was very hot at the first half of yeah. last year and then it sort of died down a little bit um, Singapore launched a spec regime Hong Kong mm. launched one uh, I think we, we want to observe a little bit first to see how different regimes will play out 
uh, I think the important thing is just just to keep open mind for now because uh, 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 different exchanges and jurisdiction are also fighting for quality companies to list. So we hope to find ourselves the, the best solution <laughs> out of out of these options. Great, and, and we wish you every success in, in that area. And um, Indonesia, okay, uh, give us a sense of uh, other um, areas uh, that you know that that you are kind of building building out your your regional expansion, to, so to speak. Mm. Um, we talked a little bit just now about a couple of markets that we're interested in. Yeah. Um, We'll continue to explore if we expand uh, what is the right entry point. Um, I think in the past when we only had online lending, that was the default entry point, right? There's still a lot of uh, market players who are talking to us to see if we want to roll out any joint venture with them on the uh, online lending, given our, our track record. Uh, with digital banking, obviously open up a second kind of uh, option for us. Well, the digital banking cooperation, uh, requires a lot more than the digital lending co co cooperation because that has a very, very important and strong uh, regulatory licensing kind of, kind of uh, requirement, right? And the last thing, which is probably the lightest touch, right, is a pure B2B cooperation, meaning we're just there we just to supply a technology. Um, uh, and, 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 and we can sell the technology to multiple players at the same time, right? Which is a... a, a, a it's enterprise business, right? And obviously, when you go into as an enterprise business, uh, you will sell to multiple players. Like you don't build a car just to sell it to one customer. You build a car so that you can sell it repeatedly, right? Um, right now, we are thinking about less on the B two B side in Asian markets um, because I think I think there's still uh, uh, we can still feel that it's a there's a strong play in us being the the principal player rather mm -hmm. than just being a supplier of technology, right? Um, and, uh, and, and and when we look at that, we also study the market as well. Uh, I'll give an example, right? A, a market like Hong Kong will participate as a player, as a principal player, rather than a facilitator through technology because it's small. Um, and uh, But if we are if we're con constantly picking large uh, population, large tech-savvy young population, right? I think these are markets that makes a lot more sense for us to be a player be a participant rather than just being a enterprise uh, solution provider, right? So right now, as we talk to more people, I think the, the, the direction is, is more towards that angle, right? Uh, because mm -hmm. we, we can get a, uh, a larger return and, and we'd like to be very hands-on and deeply involved in the market, right? So I think, I think that, 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 that is the, uh, that is our, our current kind of thinking, right? And um, yeah, and I, 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 I think that's, that's where there's also the highest reward as well as we speak. Okay, uh, to be directly involved, being being uh, the principal and yeah. uh, and uh, in many of the Southeast Asian markets, there there are many of these opportunities and uh, you know and uh, you, you seem to be on a measured kind of path towards uh, growing your business. So we wish you again, we wish you every success in what you've done and uh, continue to to plan out. And uh, it's been great uh, speaking to you, uh, Simon, again. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up pretty soon as uh, you know as we launch our digital bank in Jakarta. Thank Indonesia. you, Thank you very much, Asian Bank. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.